turn with you again in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. I want to read the first 20 verses again. We have dealt with the entire narrative already, and then we've looked at the certain parts of that narrative. And this afternoon, or this morning, I want to look with you at uh, the last verse, 20, verse 20 of chapter 2. So I want to read with you Luke chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 1. This is the word of God. Hear the word of God with me. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this census first took place while Quirinius was, was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea. To, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in that same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with that angel or the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into the heaven that his shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And now follow the words of our text for this morning. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. I want to repeat that verse. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May he add his blessing to the hearing, the reading, and the preaching of his word again this morning. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ gathered here in Salem, Bowmanville with me this morning. There are moments in our life which we would like, which we would like to prolong. There are precious moments in our natural lives that bring back very fond memories. There are certain times or incidents in our lives which cause us to wish that time would just stand still. We would like to remain in that state of euphoria. We want those pleasant times. We wish that they would stay, but they are all too soon gone and reality sets in again. And in our natural lives, we have certain times that so lift our hearts that we wish time would stand still so that we could we would not have to return. 
But those blissful moments are even more frequent in the spiritual realm of our lives. For instance, every Sunday we hear the promises of God proclaimed to us, but regularly the Lord also complements the preaching with the sacraments. And at regular intervals we are given opportunity to sit with the Lord and with one another at the communion table. And then before our very eyes we see the bread broken, we see the wine poured out, and we hear those precious words, this is for you, this is for you. And through the eyes of our faith we, we see the broken body of our Lord. We see, we see Golgotha, and we see his nail-pierced hands, and we, we see his blood poured out, and we hear, this is for you, my body broken, my blood poured out unto a complete remission of all your sin. Oh, it's all so wonderful, and our hearts rejoice in that special presence of God, our Savior. It's all so glorious, and we want to, we want to, we want to savor the moment. And even apart from that, has it not happened to you that in a certain moment when you found yourself experiencing what is called a dark night of the soul, that suddenly you receive, as it were, a flash of eternity? Suddenly your heavy heart is lifted and you experience a, a foretaste of the joy of, of heavenly things. Suddenly you seem to be face to face with the kingdom of heaven and you appear to see the promise not far off, but within your reach. Has it not happened to you perhaps during a night of pouring out your burdened heart before the Lord in prayer that you receive a sudden moment of revelation when the heavens appear to be open and the new Jerusalem seems to be on the verge of descending and you wish that that moment would stay with you forever? Would it not be correct to say that it was something like that that caused David to burst out into song, singing that he longed to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life, to behold the beauty of the Lord forever and to inquire in his temple? Was it not that same kind of a desire that took hold of Jacob's soul when in his dream he had seen the angel of God ascending and descending on the ladder which seemed to, 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 to connect him directly with the heavenly house of God? You remember that story, don't you? You remember that Jacob was so moved by the moment that the stone on which he had rested his head, he turned it into a, 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 a memorial of the moment and he called the place Bethel the house of God. And what about, what about Peter? What about Peter when he, when he experienced the transfiguration of the Lord on the mountain and he, and he wanted to build three monuments to remember the glorious presence of the Lord whom he saw there in all of his majestic glory? And, and what about Mary Magdalene? Did she too not try to hold on to the resurrected Lord? And did she not want to <coughs> keep him all for herself to enjoy forever? Indeed, indeed all of these incidents, and there are many more in the scriptures, all of these incidents speak of a, a certain blessed, blessedness experienced by God's children. A blessedness that is so intense that God's people wished that that moment would never pass because when it does... They have to return to whatever it was before. But those fleeting moments don't last. Always there is the return.
things return to normal. David cannot really dwell in the house, the Lord's house forever, at least not yet. And, 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 and so he needed to be satisfied with the knowledge that the Lord would hide him in, the, in his pavilion in, a, in, a, in, a, in his time of trouble. So do for Jacob. He awakens from his dream to the cruel reality of having to go on his way to Padam Aram to escape the wrath of his brother Esau. Even the glory of the Lord's transfiguration doesn't last. The radiant glory subsides. Moses and Elijah return to heaven. The Lord's divine glory is again obscured and reality returns. He descends from the mountain into the valley of the suffering and death and Mary wanting so desperately to cling to her risen Lord, must let him go, and she must return without his physical presence. And so too for the shepherds of our text. We read, then the shepherds returned. Our text of this morning speaks of post-Bethlehem. And I administer God's word to you this morning, using as my theme, and the shepherds returned. We want to see from where, from where they returned, and we will see why they returned. Congregation, once again, we've read the wonderful story of our Savior's birth. We've heard it so many times, but for the born-again child of God, it's a story that never grows old, and over the past number of weeks, we have examined in close detail many different aspects of that great drama played out there in Bethlehem several thousand years ago. And especially, we have examined the history and the hopelessness, the helplessness of that, of that remnant of the church at that time, just prior to the fulfillment of the promise. And when we now put all of those pieces together, what a night of joy and glory it had been there over the fields of Ephratah. For so long that remnant had waited and looked waiting for the coming Messiah. And now suddenly the fullness of time had arrived. God had remembered his promise, the promise of the Messiah. You know the story. In order that the scripture might be fulfilled, Joseph and Mary had been directed by Augustus out of Nazareth to the city of David. The little town, already being overcrowded, had no room for them until they found shelter for the night in a stable. And there in that stable in that little town called Bethlehem, the promise of God had been fulfilled as Mary brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger. Jerusalem, the city of the great king, in the distance had been sound asleep. Why, even the scribes, the Pharisees, and the chief priests, all of them fast asleep. For all of them, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. Oh, the church, at least the official representatives of the church, they were quite unaware of the wonder of salvation that had been accomplished that night, just a stone's throw away. The clergy and most of the lay people were totally oblivious of the miracle that had just taken place. But that remnant, that remnant, beginning with the shepherds, they had been awake. They had been keeping watch over their flock and watching and praying and waiting for the morning star. And behold, suddenly, suddenly the heavens were torn apart, if you will, and out of the open door of heaven, 
descends an angel messenger bringing them the good tidings of great joy that unto them is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And he had suggested to them that they go and see. They had go and see this wonder of God's grace. And he told them of the sign of the manger. He told them to look for the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and sleeping in a manger in a stable. And in silent wonder they had listened to the heavenly choir that had descended upon them. And had sung of the glory of God and peace on earth. And then they had gone to Bethlehem. They had seen the word that had come to pass. They had believed and they worshipped. And now they return. Yes, indeed, they return from Bethlehem. From Bethlehem. But they return, too, from much more. They had experienced a night filled with the most glorious revelation of heavenly things. They had experienced a vision of angels. Angels had spoken to them face to face of the realization of the promise. They had received personally from the lips of an angel the good news that the long-awaited Messiah had come into the world, and now they returned. <clears throat> they returned from sitting in the audience, if you will. Well, in fact, in fact, we could say they returned from being the actual audience. They had been watching their sheep in the fields of Africa when suddenly a heavenly concert such as never had been heard on earth before was presented. And now, after the last chorus had been sung, after the last note had echoed and receded and faded back into obscurity, these shepherds had hastened to Bethlehem to see that of which had been told them, and they had gone, they had seen, and they had worshipped the King of all glory, and now they were returning. They were returning from hearing the night skies filled with the angel voices singing glory to God, glory to God in the highest. They were returning from seeing that salvation of Israel in the manger of Bethlehem. They had seen the word made flesh. They had peered into that manger. They had whispered a holy, in holy awe and amazement, Emmanuel, God with us. Congregation, I believe it correct to say that in that night the shepherds had stood before the very door of the kingdom of heaven. We would say that the door of heaven had been opened to them and they had received a glimpse of the beauty within. And now the text says they returned. Think with me now. Would they not have wanted to remain in that state of blessedness do you think? Undoubtedly. But now they returned. Indeed, they returned to the fields of Ephrata. They returned to watch over their flocks. Who would have watched them while they were away? The angels, perhaps? Maybe God himself. I don't know. In any event, they needed to return to their calling. Their sheep awaited them. And return they did, according to the text. <clears throat> but think with me of what they returned to. Oh, they returned to their daily calling, to be sure. They returned to the fields. They returned to their flocks and herds. But they also returned to so much more. Remember the circumstances in Palestine at the, at Palestine, at the time. Israel was under Roman oppression. 
It was a time of great spiritual poverty and declension in Palestine. These shepherds had been in the presence of angels, and now and they had been in the presence of the Son of God, but now they returned. They returned from standing at heaven's door. They returned back to the earthly things. They returned to take up their place among a people of God in bondage. They returned once again to submit to the rule of a wicked king, an unregenerate and a cruel king. They returned to a people whose scribes were indifferent in their religious <clears throat> self-complacency and apostasy. They returned to a church whose high priest was corrupt and served in the holy place for a monetary profit. They returned to a situation where the temple had been degraded into a den of robbers. They returned to a church that was bankrupt. Oh, how far the kingdom of heaven seemed away and how near they had been. The shepherds returned. But of course, they could not stay. They must return. Why could they not stay? Well, first of all, the kingdom of heaven was not yet. It had not yet come. The shepherds had seen only a flash. They had seen only a brief moment of a glimpse of God's salvation. Indeed, heaven had opened for them, but only for a moment. Heaven had opened, but not yet to receive them. The time had not yet come for them, nor was it time for heaven to swallow up death and all things earthly. Oh, that would happen, but not yet. Heaven had opened only long enough to let the light of revelation shine upon the amazing thing that had come to pass in Bethlehem and how necessary that revelation was. For indeed, who would otherwise have recognized the great joy that had come to all people, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord, in that babe in the manger wrapped in swaddling cloth? Oh, imagine those shepherds with me. Heaven had opened upon them long enough to let the heavenly song of the angels resound and reverberate through the night. Over the fields of Ephrata, to the glory of God in the highest, the angels sang and the shepherds listened. Heaven had opened up long enough to show them the way to Bethlehem. Heaven had opened long enough to enable them to see the incarnate Son of God in the light of the gospel that had been declared unto them by the angel. But then heaven had closed again. The angels had withdrawn themselves behind that still curtain of the dark night. And the fields and their flocks had appeared just as they were before. Nothing had changed. Heaven had not enveloped the earth. The kingdom of heaven had not yet come. And we read in the shepherds, they returned. But of course, they had to. Why? Well, even in Bethlehem in that night of nights, <coughs> the shepherds had not seen the kingdom come in power. In fact, they had seen what appeared to be the exact opposite, for the Son of God had come in the likeness of sinful flesh. In Bethlehem, they had seen only the beginning of the salvation of the Lord. And oh, what a humble beginning it was. What they had seen had appeared to be the very contradiction of salvation. Oh, indeed, 
through the eyes of faith, illumined by the word of the gospel preached to them by the angels, they had truly seen the Christ, the Lord, the Savior, but not in his power, not in his power to save, not in the glory of his anointing, not in the power of his lordship, they had not seen Jesus crowned with glory and honor, neither had they seen all things subject under his feet. No, they had seen a helpless babe. They had seen the fulfillment of the promise indeed, but, but, but they had seen only the very beginning of the promise. And what a beginning, what a humiliating beginning it was, for there was no room for the child. The word of God incarnate had come to pass that night, but there was no room for him. No room in the inn, no room in Bethlehem, no room for him in Jerusalem, no room for him in all the world. There was no room for him, and so they saw him wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, and so we read the shepherds return. Why? Because they could not wait in Bethlehem for the full realization of the beginning of this promise. Oh, so much still had to happen before the promise was fully realized. So much prophecy had to be fulfilled before the great joy for all people of which the angel of the Lord had spoken to them had been achieved. So much more had to happen before the salvation of the Lord would be fully accomplished through the Savior there in Bethlehem. So much shame and humiliation would need to be heaped upon this child before this son of David is seated upon the throne of his glory. So much has to happen before this child would be recognized as the Christ of God. The glory of God, which was the theme of the angel's song in the fields of Ephrata, it was still hidden in the likeness of sinful flesh and a hard battle was still to be fought and won before the peace that was promised had descended on the earth and so they returned of course returned they must they could not wait the kingdom of heaven had not yet come oh my dear people of God you know the story this babe must grow and he must be tabernacle among us for a while. He must reveal the Father to us and, and he must become for us the Father's Messiah. He must be despised and rejected of men. He must be cast out even out of this inn and without swaddling cloths. He must be cast out to Golgotha's hill. He must be nailed to the accursed tree and there he must shed his blood for the sin of his own and then he must rise again on the third day and he must be exalted as Christ the Lord at the right hand of the Most High in heaven. He must be crowned with glory and honor and with all power in heaven and on earth. And then after his resurrection and the ascension, he must be preached as the one in whom God was reconciling the world unto himself and as the one through whom God will judge the world. And then finally, he must come again with power to subdue all things unto himself. In that day, heaven will open and never to shut again. The kingdom of heaven will then have come and it will remain. And those who are privileged to witness the glory of that day shall never have to return to the darkness of the present humiliation. But the shepherds could not wait for all of that to come to pass. And so we read, and the shepherds returned.
Of course. Why? Well, you see, they had been witnesses of that great salvation the Lord had brought for his people. And having been ear and eye witnesses, they must now return to become mouth witnesses of what they had seen. And Oh, I imagine, I imagine that these shepherds would have, would have wished that they, they would never have had to return to their flocks and to their, to their lowly tasks. They would have wanted to remain in Bethlehem. They would have wanted to remain at heaven's portals. I would imagine that they would have preferred not to return to reality. They would not have wanted to return to this dark world and its suffering and death and, and sin. And, and, and after they had tasted the goodness of the Lord and seen a little of the glory of heavenly things and had learned that the day of the Lord had come, they would have wanted to remain in that glorious state of blessedness. But we read the shepherds returned. Of course, why? Because they had seen the glory of the Lord. They had seen the word of God incarnate and he was now in them. The word of God had filled their hearts. The word of God had filled their minds, their souls. The word of God had filled their entire souls. The word of God had become a power in them which they could not possibly have resisted. They had heard the glad tidings of great joy which would be to all people and now they must repeat them. They had seen the word that had come to pass and now they must witness of it. For this word must go out even to the ends of the earth. The gospel of God's love in Christ must be preached to all men beginning with the shepherds. With the shepherds witness of what they had seen and heard that night. And so the shepherds returned to witness of the glory of the Lord. We read then the shepherds returned glorifying God and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. But, 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 but understood. But if we understand the place of the shepherds in the New Testament Israel, we might wonder why God would choose to send angels to them. After all, shepherds were the lowest class among the people of the Jews. Their occupation made it impossible for them to keep the Sabbath as was expected by the Pharisees. The shepherds were out in the countryside and they would usually be many kilometers from a town or a village. They would travel great distances to find pasture and water for their flocks and so they did not and they could not participate in the Jewish religious practices. Some ancient sources tell us, as I consulted the, some of my commentaries for this series of sermons, that some ancient commentaries said they couldn't even participate in, 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 in the, the uh, that even their testimony was not allowed to be used in a court of law as they were considered to be unreliable and incapable of giving an accurate account. The shepherds, they were looked upon at that time, they were looked upon what we would call to be lowlifes. And my dear people, God, once again we see that the gospel account would not appeal to certain people. And once again we are reminded that scripture tells us that it would be so. Do we not hear the apostle Paul writing in his first letter to the Corinthians con congregation that not many were according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Imagine then the effect of their testimony on the surrounding communities wouldn't they be mocked? Would people believe them? 
we would even wonder if that was even a wise choice for God to reveal the Christ child first to them. Oh, the message of salvation in our minds. In our minds, it should have gone, first of all, to the emperor, to the king, or to the, to the high priest. But no, it came to, of all people, it came to shepherds. How would that message be received coming from them? They would tell of the amazing things they had seen. They would tell of the angel choir. They would tell of a manger in a stable. And they would tell of the babe in the manger. And, and they would tell that, that when they peered into that manger, they saw Emmanuel, God, with us. How would that message be received among, uh, coming from such a class of people as lowly shepherds? Perhaps they would be treated as those who claim to have seen supernatural sights in our day. People who claim to see flying saucers, for instance, they're usually considered to be fools and no one pays any attention. My dear congregation, God knew exactly what he was doing. Oh, indeed, those shepherds were of a despised class of people. Not only was their life difficult for them because of their occupation, but the very nature of their job made it impossible for them to observe all of the regulations of the Mosaic law, especially all the man-made rules and regulations superimposed upon them by the law of the Pharisees. But then yet, they were suspected of confusing mine with thine, meaning they were suspected of even being dishonest people. And that's why their testimony was refused in a court of law. And yet, and yet, and yet, Luke's testimony makes it abundantly clear that these shepherds were the ones to whom the first proclamation of the Savior's birth was made. That these shepherds were of a different sort. They were devout men. They were probably acquainted with the messianic prophecy and, and like Simeon, they were waiting for the consolation of Israel. We capture proof of that in the way that the angel addresses them and we see their piety again in their exemplar reaction to the angel's message. But still, even though we can know from Luke's testimony that these men were devout, how would the world respond to a message coming from these lowly shepherds? Think with me, people of God. It takes faith to believe the lowly shepherds. These shepherds are the very start of a long line of those who, humanly speaking, we would think would be the last ones who could be relied upon to tell the story of God's plan of redemption with any <coughs> semblance of credibility. You know what I mean here. Throughout the ministry of Jesus, his followers would include all kinds of people whom we might consider to be unworthy. Jesus' many followers would be made up of, of converted sinners, of tax collectors, even zealots. Even the first witness to the resurrection would be Mary Magdalene, out of whom Jesus had cast seven demons. These are not the kinds of people whom we think would be deserving of the honor, and yet... They were favored by Christ because Jesus saw the hearts. And when he looked into their hearts, Jesus saw a living faith. Our wisdom would suggest that the shepherds would not be believed. The Jewish aristocracy and even the church saw shepherds as being a lowly class of fools. And indeed, when we bring the glory, when we bring the glorious message of the gospel, we should not be surprised if we too are counted as fools, especially more and more in the culture as we live. 
We're in a lowly company when we believe in the virgin birth, the cross, and the resurrection, but we are in good company. What a marvelous gift of God's grace that God saw fit to use people like these shepherds. Marvel even more when we consider that God saw fit to use even you and me to witness to that greatest story ever told. The shepherds returned indeed, but with a new joy in their hearts and with a new song upon their lips, for we read they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. In other words, the song of that angelic choir still resounded and reverberated in their hearts as they returned, and now it had become their own glory of God. A word had been spoken to them from heaven, and they had made haste to see the word that had come to pass, and the Lord had made it known to them. They didn't see much, a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. What they saw might seem to be the very contradiction of the glorious gospel of joy and salvation and glory that had been promised to them by the angel of the Lord. But they believed the saying concerning this child. They believed what the gospel was preached by the, by the angels and they rejoiced as they returned. Were they disappointed when they returned? Oh no, for by faith they carried the joy of the hope in their hearts and already the great joy of which the angel had spoken caused their hearts to burst into song and their lips, and from their lips to praise glory to God, glory to God in the highest. And so today we have celebrated Christmas. For several weeks we have anticipated it and then finally today we welcomed and celebrated it. People all over the world have made their way to church to worship and glorify God, and we regret that there are people who actually decided not to join with us. The world all over, men, women, and children, join their voices with those of the heavenly angels as we together sing glory to God in the highest. We're going to do it in just a few moments. It was all so wonderful. But now, along with the shepherds, we return to our daily calling. The word has been in us. The word has been with us in a particular way. But we hold him in our hearts still. We have celebrated our Lord's birth and now we, along with the shepherds, we must return. But let us do so in faith rejoicing as we go until, until we shall be with him forevermore to return nevermore shall we pray father silent night holy night shepherds quake at the sight glory stream from heaven afar heavenly hosts sang alleluia Christ the savior is born son of God loves pure light radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace, Lord Jesus, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth.